0: Welcome back to the Ultimate Pocket Therapist. We are a mother and daughter team of Shannon Brooke, wanting to educate, entertain, and enlighten
1: all of you to mental health. Yep, yep. Here we are. <laughs> yep. Good on the entertainment. Yep. At least we think we're entertaining. We are. We constantly think we're entertaining. Right. Yeah. Whether we're recording or not. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the podcast. Oh no. Oh no. It's yeah.
0: just—it's a real treasure though when we get to record. How entertaining we think we, we are. We think we are. And we uh-huh. can share it with all of you. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a real treat. Yeah. So Damn blind time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. Y'all are welcome.
0: <laughs> so enjoy.
1: <laughs> well, before we get started, here's the disclaimer this is not a therapy session. Thank God. You say that often, right? And I really thoroughly believe it. <laughs> and I am not your therapist. So if anything we talk about triggers or brings up any issues, We strongly recommend that you seek counseling and we will share a resource with you now. This podcast is being sponsored by BetterHelp. Like we have mentioned in each of our podcasts, if anything we talk about triggers or brings up any issues, don't hesitate to seek counseling. Everyone has struggles and therapy does not need to be scary. Everyone deserves to be happy, and you don't need to worry about finding a therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset.
0: And as a special offer to Ultimate Pocket Therapist listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com uptherapist. That's betterhelp.com slash uptherapist. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. All right. So our uh,
1: last podcast was kind of a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. That Sociopaths was... are fun. Aren't they? Yeah. I'm glad I don't really have one in the neighborhood I know of. See, the, the trick is, though, that they, they hide it sometimes. Right.
0: So do you know this for sure? Nope. Nope. <laughs> So we're going to stay blissfully unaware. Right. Since I'm
1: new to the area, I'll just pretend I don't know anything. That's good. Right. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. So um, what we actually thought we would do this podcast on is missing people. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we had received an email a while ago about a missing person and kind of just put it in our file.
0: Yeah, it was like kind of like, oh my god, that's tragic. That's sad. That's an amazing story. Yeah,
1: like intriguing. But what do we do with it? Yeah, you know, like it's oh. sad. Yeah, definitely. But then after we were looking at serial killers, mm-hmm. okay, which oftentimes are antisocial. Yes, and, and
0: our last episode. We did
1: a Patreon add-on. Right. Um, And we kind of dove into Ted Bundy a little bit. Right, we did. Yeah. And the statistics on him and some of the stuff that we shared on there is kind of just creepy.
0: Uh, epically, not kind of. Yeah. yeah, it, it's it is. It's epically disturbing. It is. Yeah.
1: And so the, definitely there are so many more missing people that could really be victims of serial killers. Yeah. And so we kind of thought, well, this will just kind of go... Right after our podcast last week, we'll go into missing people. Sure. Right. And yeah. then we can read that email and mm-hmm. kind of talk about missing people. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, let's dive into this uh, heartfelt journey. I know. I just
0: I am like, this whole, this entire topic is just mind-blowing. And I feel so bad for anyone in this situation because it is just... It's sad. It's sad. It's just Mm -hmm. an unbelievable grief. I just, I don't think anyone can understand it. Right. But okay. So the email we got, um, I'm just going to kind of dive in on reading it. I haven't read read an email for a while. So that's right.
1: Your turn. My turn. Your turn. All right. And this is a long one. I'll let you read
0: the long (laughs) one. This is a long (laughs) one as it should be. There's, there's a lot to it. So it says, hi ladies. My name is Sarah. I wanted to write about A very intense and rare issue. I really hope you can help me process this. Maybe this topic might help another listener, but I'm not sure how many other people can truly relate. FYI, I have changed any identifying information because this is still an open case and our privacy is important for multiple reasons. I'm like, yeah, fully understandable. You're right. Okay. All right. So she says, okay, to start at the beginning, I met my fiance, John, nine years ago. We were both juniors in university. It was seriously a love at first sight thing. After a few weeks of flirting and finding excuses to bump into each other on campus, we decided to date. We were instantly best friends and attached at the hip. Once that year, college was over. We decided to move in together while still attending school for our senior year. After graduation, John found an amazing job, so we moved together to a new town to continue our adventure. We only became closer. It is amazing how much more you can fall in love with someone when they are the only familiar person, you know, in a town full of strangers. True. Yeah. I'm like, I can, I uh-huh. can imagine that. That's all you've got. Mm-hmm. Once we were settled into our new life, we got engaged. Our family and friends were f- thrilled and everyone was excitedly waiting for the wedding details. John had a pretty long commute to work. He chose to walk and ride the train. We had one car and he preferred me to use it rather than using public transport. He was very protective of me. He was a very schedule-oriented man. I always knew what time of the day I could count on hearing from him. On a typical workday, I received my normal after-work call. He always called me during his walk to the train. We chatted and then he said his usual, see you at home, baby. I knew he'd be walking through the door in an hour or so, so I started making us some dinner. An hour came and passed, and I started to worry. I called him, and it went straight to voicemail. Instantly, I knew something was wrong. I can't explain it, but I knew nothing would ever be the same. Like, that's just chilling.
1: Uh-huh. That gut feeling. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are like, you can't mm-hmm. explain it, but you just know. No,
0: this isn't right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I started calling everyone we knew in that In the new town we lived in, his office, co-workers, and even the inbound train station, no one knew anything. That's when I called the police. After some begging and crying from me, they agreed to send a car to look for him along his route home. They found his phone smashed in a gutter near the train station he would get off at. That was 38 months ago. Still to this day, a smashed phone is the only thing we have found of John. In 38 months, miles have been searched, water has been dredged, people have been questioned, and endless flyers have been sent out, and nothing. John is a missing person. I have been told so many theories, such as he ran away, he was killed, involved in a bad drug deal, etc., But the truth is, no one knows the truth. John's family helped me hire a private investigator who is still searching with no luck. For over three years, we have been left with an empty hole in all of our hearts. Everyone who loves John knows he would not have willingly left his life. I refuse to move from our house. Everything of his is still in its same place he left it. Thankfully, both of our families have been willing to help me financially so I can continue to live in our home and wait for him to come home. A few people in my life have started mentioning that it might be time to move on, to accept the fact John is gone and won't be coming home. I do know that they are coming from a place of love, but no, I will not give up. I am not ready for that in the least. My biggest fear is that one day I will move on, let go, and start another life and John will walk through that door with a crazy story about all the missing years. What if I marry to someone else? What do I do then? How do people move on when there are no answered questions? How do you grieve a complete mystery? When do you finally give up hope? I understand that the odds are we will be finding remains if we find him, but there is a chance he's alive. Until there is a body, how can you be sure they are gone forever? Stranger things have happened than people coming back after being missing for years. Anyways, I guess those are my questions for you both. Thank you for reading this if you did, Sarah.
1: Darn it. I, like, I what mean, the hell? I know. It's just like, <sighs> darn it. And the thing is, is that happens. I, it does. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's one of those, I'm sure so many people are like, that would never happen to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure this it yeah Sarah it, thought the same thing
1: right yeah
0: you know of course why would that ever happen to you
1: right and you know there's countless like i said there's just countless stories when you start listening to crime shows and stuff about mm-hmm. people going missing you know yeah and whether they're dead or not until you find something
0: yeah Till mm-hmm. you find a body or mm-hmm. a confirmation of some form hmm you know, even di- going back to our Patreon, when we we're talking about Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. you know, he only admitted to 30, but they, they suspect 36, but ultimately the count could be as high as a 100. Yeah.
1: That's what they say. And mm-hmm.
0: until someone says, yes, I murdered so-and-so, their body is in this area. Right. Or even just confirm that they something. murdered them. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like,
1: you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so the topic of missing people, I started kind of looking into some statistics.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's a that's a interesting rabbit hole and
1: right. One its own. I know. So, according to NCIC, five hundred and twenty one thousand seven hundred and five people were reported missing in twenty twenty one. Oh my god. Okay. And that's actually one of the lowest missing persons record in U.S. history.
0: Like the number of <laughs> missing people. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, but out of those cases, more than 485,000 were resolved within that year. Oh, wow. okay? okay. So the number of missing pa- cases have constantly declined since 1997. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still... Today, there are more than 20,000 missing persons cases and 14,000 unidentified body cases remained open. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is
0: just a staggering number. Mm-hmm. I just.
1: Yeah. So they say that basically most people are found very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So only about 1% remain missing. Okay. Okay. Of that number, right? Yeah. So it's interesting that California has the largest number of missing persons at 3,010, but the rate at California is roughly only 7.6 missing for every 100,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. The highest rate of missing persons by far is Alaska.
0: I can believe that.
1: Uh-huh. We have to tell you a story about that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With 163 missing people per 100,000. hmm Okay. Yeah, because I remember when me and you were in Alaska, mm-hmm. and we were up there visiting family and sightseeing and whatever. Do you remember one of the family members said to us that they have the highest rate of missing people because you can hide bodies there? And no one's going no one to find them. no one ever is going to find them. hmm You know? And it's yeah. true. Uh-huh. It's one of those things that the climate doesn't decompose
0: or hide the body for them. The mm-hmm. wildlife is going to, within days, it'll be gone. It'll be gone also. Right. It's one of yeah. the...
1: Really... And I can't remember the, the amount of lakes Alaska has. Yeah. Unbelievable, and they say that there's so what they believe is there's so many missing people that are just in the bottom of these isolated lakes that mm-hmm. no one will ever find.
0: And yeah, who's gonna stumble upon them in the Alaskan water? Uh-huh. You're not out there swimming in the summer. No, uh-uh.
1: not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just terrifying. Yeah. That's a little side note, but yeah, I believe that Alaska mm-hmm. is yeah, and Massachusetts is like the lowest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're just they're just chilling in their in their yeah, world. They're, they're uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's
1: just a little statistics because like, you know, it's our poor email or it does happen. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does.
0: And she doesn't say where she is. I don't even know. If she's in the U.S. Yeah. We, it, we don't know, but mm-hmm. it's one of those that can happen anywhere. Yeah. You know, our stats are from the U.S. because that's mm-hmm. where we're at, but right. I'm yeah. sure it's, I'm sure there's higher percentages somewhere or, you know, different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one of the things, you know, when people go missing, of course, you know, (laughs) number one for majority, I guess I could say, would be call the police. Yeah. You know, and they reach out to the police and stuff. But there's this really long standing and I listen to so many crime podcasts and different missing persons and yeah, you do. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my, I I geek out to that kind of stuff. Um, and there's kind of a continuing argument of like how long you have to wait in order to report someone missing. And so I think it's important to touch on. It's like, everybody knows, call the police, get help, get that ball rolling. Mm -hmm. I think it's very clear of what to do when you suspect someone missing. Right. But, um, It's also important to know that with some law enforcement, they may require you to wait 24 to 48 hours. Right. But you are also, you have a right to argue that Mm -hmm. or say, absolutely not. Like, in as our email, as Sarah stated in our email of begging and 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 crying, crying. I'm sure at first they were like, listen, ma'am, he'll show up, he'll show up. And I'm sure who knows what, but she was obviously persistent. Right. And it's like absolutely yeah. not, mm-hmm. and that's your right. You mm-hmm. are if they tell you you need to wait, and you're not filling it, mm-hmm. then you can you can
1: poke, continue right. to poke it until it right. happens. So, well, and I think when we were researching this too, basically what it says is if the police have reason. To think they need to immediately act, mm-hmm. then they're more likely to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so come I think prepared. it's a priority thing. Yeah. You know, and
0: come prepared with reasons why. If mm-hmm. it's truly out of character, right? You know, and it's you know just be prepared to plead your case mm-hmm. because I'm sure they do get calls
1: constantly of right. missing people, and then how many of them resolve quickly? Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a college student that just got had too much to drink and slept on someone's couch and their phone was dead. Right. Mm -hmm. And they come stumbling back home and it's a whole hoopla for Mm -hmm. essentially nothing. Right. So yeah, if it's truly out of character, if it truly should not be happening the way it's happening for, you know, they're missing for whatever reason,
1: then come Mm -hmm. prepared with that and argue your case. Mm -hmm. So if it happens to be a child that goes missing, I think one of the first things that you do, alert authorities, but there's also national programs Mm -hmm. to help with this. And we have the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm -hmm. And also the FBI has a National Crime Information Center. Yeah. You know, and so I think getting it out big helps. Yes. You know, so it crossed state lines, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And um, agencies especially with children, they they don't wait around. No. That's an instantaneous mm-hmm.
1: search. Yeah. Which is great. It needs to be. Right. Right. So, you know, the the our emailer... <laughs> emailer? Me, mailer. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, one of the things that she talks about is how, how do you move on? What do you do? Like, how do you give up hope? Yeah. You know, because chances are he... Is probably gone. What,
0: 38 months? That's over three years. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, Yeah. exactly. How do you, when is it enough enough?
1: Right. Yeah. So I think that brings up the question, you know, for me, especially as a therapist, is like, how do you deal with that kind of unknown? Mm -hmm. And how do you grieve when there's no closure? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's interesting because one of the researchers that does a lot of research on this coined the term, her name is Pauline Boss, and she coined the term frozen grief. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way yeah. of describing it. Mm-hmm. Right. hmm
0: Because, uh, you know, and uh, I can't speak for, and I've, I'm fortunate I have not had to live with any
1: type of, you
0: know, murder or body found or unknown that way. I don't
1: even, I don't think I've even worked with someone with a missing person. Like I'm thinking back in the archives of my caseload over Mm -hmm. the years and I've never really had this situation even as a client. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those,
0: like at least if there's a body, even if you don't know the reason, but you Mm -hmm. at least know, okay, they are gone. Right. You know, you can continue to search for why, how, who, Mm -hmm. what, but you know that that chapter is closed. Right, They're they are, not coming home. Yes, they are gone.
1: They are gone. And then we can grieve the death.
0: We can grieve the death mm-hmm. while still hunting for the reasons. Mm-hmm. But with this, with a missing person, you are still hunting. You're trying to find a body and a perpetrator mm-hmm. or a reason
1: or any answers. Any answers. Any answer. Yeah.
0: I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah.
1: So they say that the pain and grief of having someone you know go missing is among the most profound and anxiety inducing experience anyone can ever go through. Oh, I believe, and that. I believe that. Yeah. Just hands down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's
0: not a doubt in my mind for that mm-hmm.
1: one. Yeah. And it's interesting because most states, again, this is probably way different with state law, but most states, they have to be missing seven years before they are pronounced dead. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm.
0: Seven years—that's
1: mm-hmm. what I was reading on this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my gosh. I'm, and, I'd
0: be curious to see, you know, with other countries and other policies mm-hmm. too. Like, yeah, when? Yeah,
1: when do they close that chapter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless there's evidence mm-hmm. different, they have to be seven years before they're declared dead. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: Mm-hmm. That's a long time to wait. Yeah. To to know, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when we were researching, you found stories yeah. about people who had been missing for like really long periods of time.
0: Over 20 years. Right.
1: Multiple stories. Yes. Yeah. And there's one that I thought was really interesting that I think we should read. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. So one about the dad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a story um, from Australia. Okay. Okay. And so some of the wording in here obviously is not from the United States. Yeah. It yeah. kind of fumbles us up a little bit. Uh-huh. And
0: just to let everyone know, I'm going to, I will link the, the source to this article in the show notes also. So if you guys want to look further into it and that way the author can get proper recognition and.
1: Okay. Yeah. Everything. Do link yeah. that. I, I can't. You can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know expect. much about it. Okay. I expect you to. <laughs> so I'll just read this, the story from the paper. Okay. Okay. Gabriel Nagy doesn't remember when Princess Diane died, Operation Desert Storm, or the end of the Cold War. That's because for 23 years, most of his life was a blank. But now, the man who lost himself, his family, and his memories has been given them back thanks to a dog-determined police officer who solved a decades-long mystery. Mr. Nagy's Extraordinary Story Told to the Courier-Mail to Give Hope to the Families of Missing Persons began on January 21, 1987. The father of two children, Jennifer 9, Stephen 11, phoned his wife Pamela to say that he would be home for lunch, but he never arrived and the following day his burnt-out car was found on the side of the road. He'd never been away from home without telling anyone, Jennifer said. It was very soon after that that everyone started rallying around and starting putting putting out the big alarm bells. That's an interesting way of putting it out, yeah, (laughs) alarm bells. About two weeks later, Mr. Nagy withdrew money from his bank account and used it to buy camping supplies at a store in Newcastle. It would be their last clue as to his movements. It was just so tragic for everyone, Jennifer said. It really affected me emotionally. People would ask, where's your dad? It was too much, too painful. Nobody had any answers to explain the sudden disappearance of a dad who was a loving father. I thought he was my world and all of a sudden it's taken away from me. Soon they relocated from their Sydney home to Queensland, Sunshine Coast. Pamela made sure they were always in the phone book in case her husband ever found his way home, but soon they became convinced that he was dead. More than 20 years later and just two weeks before an inquest would have declared him dead, Senior Constable Georgia Robinson found something. As part of her preparations for the approaching coroner's court hearing, Senior Constable Robinson, who had been searching for the former Sydney man for 10 years, did a final sweep and found a Medicare record in the name of Gabriel Nagy. I'd been living under the pseudonym for a long time, but I'd been having flashbacks of my proper name. Things were slowly returning, Mr. Nagy said. Life had been tough for the former shop fitter. He'd once had a job, a comfortable home, and a family he loved, but he remembered none of that. One of his earliest memories of his time in Newcastle, where he remembers bleeding profusely from a head wound. Scarring on the back of his head is a constant reminder of an injury he believes caused his amnesia. Yeah, the next twenty years are mostly blank, but Mr. Nagy recalls being offered shelter and work on a farm in Rockhampton, as well as odd jobs on fishing boats and building sites around Queensland. He slept rough on the streets, camped on the beach, and hit the bottle to dull the pain of his nothing life. And then in Mackie, he met Pastor Barry Hayhoe, a truck driver. Turned churchman who saw something in Mr. Nagy that was worth saving. He offered him a room at the River of Life Church and the job of caretaker. I jumped at the chance and it kept me off the streets, Mr. Nagy said. It was the pastor who helped him get a Medicare card in his original name when Mr. Nagy needed cataract surgery. That record was spotted by Constable Robinson, who picked up the phone and dialed his number. She said she wanted to come up and talk with me, he said. There was something in the back of my head there that I must have done something wrong to have been living the way I was. But the first thing she said when she arrived was, you haven't killed anybody, you're not wanted by the police, you're a missing person, and that's not a crime. Wow. I know, poor him. She asked me a lot of questions and started showing me photographs. It was like a cartoon where flashbulbs go off on top of people's heads. She gave me a letter from Jennifer, a letter from Pam, and letters from my dad and stepmom. Constable Robinson told Mr. Nagy the ball was in his court as to whether he wanted to contact his family, who by then had been told he was alive and well. That afternoon, I sat down and wrote the longest letter I've ever written in my life, seven and a half pages on both sides of the paper, he said. He posted the letter to his wife and daughter, and three days later, a message from his daughter came through on an old mobile phone he'd been given. It said, Hi, Dad. And that was enough to make me cry, an emotional Mr. Nagy said. She wrote that she finished the letter and she still loved me. Ten minutes later, the phone rang and it was Pam. We talked until the battery died. Two weeks later, Jennifer, then 32, flew to Mackey to see the father she had only known as a little girl. He met me at the airport with a big bunch of flowers, she said. It was like it was all in slow motion and we ran through the airport into each other's arms. Mr. Nagy has remained in Mackey, but keeps in constant contact with his parents, his wife, and they're now adult children. Jennifer said she wanted to tell her story to show others what it means to a family to have answers when someone disappears. She believes her father developed a condition called disassociative fugue, a rare psychiatric disorder that causes memory loss and often leads people to wander away from their families. I want to give people hope that sometimes good things can happen Miracles can happen, she said. If you have left home for whatever reason, ring and let someone know you are okay. It doesn't have to be your family. The not knowing can really, really affect you in the end. Wow. That's the end of the article.
0: That is insane. It'd be so crazy to know the details and the ins and outs. Yeah. What
1: happened? I know. Yeah. Like how did the car burn? Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the first things when you were first sharing this article that pops out for me, if you have that kind of a head wound, why aren't you taken to a hospital or you wander off? But maybe it's that, that condition she was talking about that you just wander away. But if you're bleeding that much, you might need medical attention. Yeah. Usually then people would find you, you think? You know, there's like a lot of questions with this and yeah. he probably doesn't know. Mm-mm. Doesn't seem like he knows. No. Uh-uh. Can you imagine your dad goes missing when you're a little girl and you and you're 32 years old when you see him again?
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. that is insane.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was just an example of missing people that have been gone for so many years Mm -hmm. and are, they, they're found. Yes. So obviously being in a situation where you're dealing with a missing person would be so hard, Mm -hmm. you know? But, in researching this, we came up with some um articles that shared tips. yeah, and so maybe we should go over those. You know? yeah, I think yeah. that's a pretty good
0: idea. I don't it's one of those like how do you help anyone in this situation? Yeah. Truly.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I think it would be important of course for them to go to counseling. I don't know if the Sarah girl does she mention in the email if she had been to counseling? No, she didn't mention that or not. Or yeah, not. it it would help because you know, the emotions that are you're going through, you're gonna need help in dealing with all of those.
0: Yeah. You know. And it sounds like you have family to lean on, but sometimes an outside
1: Oh, definitely. Voice and right.
0: opinion and is Yeah. Probably going to be the most beneficial.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they refer to the missing person as an ambiguous loss because there's just a lack of resolution Mm -hmm. or closure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, tips if you're doing this is, you know, seek support from friends and family. You know, don't try to do it alone. Yeah. You know. You need, you need their help in, in doing everything from, you know, passing out flyers to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: social media, keeping things up to date and mm-hmm. even just a good group of people as a shoulder
1: to cry on, right? lean on, yeah,
0: just support that way too.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, you know, like we've said in a lot of other podcasts, one of the best things to do in any situation is take care of you. Yes. Uh-huh. And this would be a hard one to do that. Yeah, it would. It would. But it would be so important to make sure that you don't isolate, that you get out and stay physically and emotionally engaged with people. Mm-hmm. You know, and because it would be really easy to shut down. Yeah. hmm
0: Which, and <laughs> you can't be blamed for that if you shut down. No. You know,
1: but it's, yeah, yeah keep yourself... Mm -hmm. moving. Right. And I think one is, you know, again, the counseling would help, but find a a way to release the grief. Mm -hmm. You know, you're grieving. So how are you going to release that grief? Yeah. You know, the grief is really hard.
0: Yeah. It seems to be very uh, Mm -hmm. all-encompassing. Especially where there's no answers. Right. So... So
1: again, therapy would be a good way to relieve Grief, mm-hmm. and any yeah. more
0: with our um, outlets of social media. I'm sure there's support groups, mm-hmm. you know, communities, mm-hmm. or even in-person support groups. I
1: bet, yeah.
0: I'm sure there are so many resources to find like-minded people, right? Because yeah. until you also talk to somebody that understands on
1: that level, that's been through it or going through it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and I'm sure that'd be comforting to have kind of a right. community,
1: right? And I think it would be important, too, and something that's mentioned is take a break from the news. Yeah. Turn the TV off, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, just because they're going to keep you posted if there's any findings. You don't have to be glued to the TV stations. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: It's okay to disconnect from the media sources Mm -hmm. involving the case or other cases or anything real negative. You know, I, I think any disconnection from what a screwed up world we live in. If you're going through this would be really beneficial too. Right. I think it'd be easy to get yourself into a, an endless, you know, tunnel of just misery and negativity and Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. another thing that was mentioned along that line is never give up hope because you can, it's interesting because you can grieve Mm -hmm. and still have hope. Yeah. You know, it it would be hard but but you can do that. Right. You know. Yeah. So and I think if you know someone that's going through it, you know, trying to be supportive on the outside, taking things off their plate, doing mm-hmm. things for them the opposite. Yeah. You know, like stepping up and helping them with stuff. You yeah. know, being support yeah. Mm hmm. In any way, even if you're just supportive and keeping the search going. Right. You know, distributing flyers randomly or often. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, keeping
0: groceries in the refrigerator. Yeah. hmm You mm-hmm. know, it's anything that you can do to help right. take things off their plate, mm-hmm. I think could be absolutely huge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, a tough one. I think I would recommend to our emailer, <laughs> you know, to... Follow through with counseling, Mm -hmm. you know, and really get, sounds like she's got support from families or helping her out financially and stuff, but I would really probably seek help.
0: Yeah. I definitely just, you know, it doesn't mean you have to move on Mm -hmm. if you're not ready to, and that's totally understandable. Right. But definitely seek some professional help Mm -hmm. and also, you know, find some grief communities, counseling right groups yeah
1: even online support they've mentioned yeah online groups yeah exactly i would do it so yeah
0: you're you don't you know it seems like you understand you're not alone you have your family but it's okay to reach out beyond family too for support and Mm -hmm.
1: love so yeah so anyway this is actually um If you're part of our Patreon program, Mm -hmm. okay, stay tuned because we had some added content that we want to add to this. Yes. Yep. Yep. So
0: you are, you're going to get a twofer. You got one last episode. You got some content on the Patreon and this week you're getting one too, so...
1: Oh yeah, that's it's right. A, it's Tutor, a double, look at us go. It's a double decker. A double one. Alrighty then.
0: All right. Well, uh, link to our Patreon is in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. And we appreciate your guys' support and your continued listening. And uh we'll catch you all next time.